Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here with my guest, Margaret Taylor, the proprietor of The Book Corner. That's been a Bloomington institution for well over a half century, much more than that, in various locations. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Well, thank you very much. Margaret, uh, you have been in this business for a long time, and it was started by your mother and father quite a bit of time ago, but I've got to ask you this right off the bat before anything. Do people still read books? Absolutely. Many books, and there's no into it that I see. Weren't books supposed to die because of the internet or weren't they supposed to die because of electronic readers? Supposedly, but I don't think that the true book lover, there will ever be the death of the hardback, the physical uh, book that you can hold, that you want to read, have it in your hand. People like the feel of it. They like the the smell, the touch, the pictures, um, just the gratification of holding something something physical. It's a love that um, that's acquired. Uh, not at the book corner, but at the book nook about 1963, um, I would say Richard Beck. What is that? Jonathan Livingston. Jonathan, Siegel. and we still sell that, yeah. but that was amazing to me, the Christmas set, uh, because years ago you could only order books, say, six months out, or right. you, you, had, you had no way of getting books within two or three days and we missed hundreds of sales on that book it was just uh, something and that just always has struck in my mind that that title you know for full disclosure i i have to say margaret's my boss i work for her i have been there since 2009 you think i've been there a long time how long has the book corner been at the corner of kirkwood and Walnut Street. All right. We opened in the around Christmas of 1964, and I was 18, and I've been there continually since then. You were a punk kid. I was a punk kid. Just <laughs> Driving around town in I, a black and white convertible. No, we had a Lincoln Continental. And <laughs> well, didn't you have? I thought you had. Oh, I did a, have yeah. one. Yeah, I did have a black, uh, it was a, yeah, it was a black a, a convertible. Ford. Ford, um, yeah, it was a... Um, Oh, golly, these are hard questions. We paid $2,000 for that car. <laughs> a brand new car. <laughs> a huh? brand new car. When you say we had a Lincoln Continental, you're talking about James and Barbara Spanith. Right. Had a Lincoln Continental. James and Barbara Spanith were the founders of this operation. That is my mother and father. How and far back do we go? Well, my dad came here when he was 16. That was in 1926. My mother attended uh, Indiana University. She came on campus in 1936, uh-huh. and they met. Um, she was dating her chemistry professor, <laughs> <laughs> who was my dad's very good friend. And so, roundabout way, he, he stole. And then she was the only, um, she always have to say this, she was the only girl allowed to have a car on campus because she lived down on the Ohio River, down in Rome, Indiana. And um, she was called into the dean's office one time because the dean, the, the girl, the dean of the girls saw her car out on the street and that was not so she was called in and reprimanded for having her car out. Get out. <laughs> and that was 1937. So then the flood of southern Ohio River, and my mom and dad got married. And but my dad actually had two degrees in um, one in chemistry, master's degree. Oh yeah, he had two masters, 
one in chemistry and one in um, mathematics and was working on his doctorate. He was a nerd. He was. He was a yeah. very educated person. Wow. And, and all through then the Depression in 1937, he was selling newspapers and he had... You mean I, on the street corner or well, what he, he worked for a dealer, a, ah. a man named Mr. Grant, who was um, what they'd have newspapers and magazines. And Mr. Grant was a distributor of the Indianapolis Star and I probably other papers. And so Dad then started his own company after Mr. Grant went out of business or sold it to him. And uh, so he did that while he was in school. So your father was distributing newspapers over how large an area? Well, eventually, um, over the whole, he was the magazine newspaper distributor of the southern part of Indiana. And he, huh. he had a company called Bloomington News Company, and that was on on the west side of town. But that, that wasn't a retail store. No, then, that no. He was just distributing magazines uh, this stuff so does that mean he himself was driving all over this whole no area? we had he probably had a company of 30 40 men that he employed and and he yes he did do a lot of the d deliveries and he worked from probably four in the morning to 11 every night and wow. come home and take a 10 minute nap and and these are the days when a lot of bookstores and magazine stands and so forth would have newspapers from all over the country often all over the world. Right. There was a point where we tried getting some from out of uh, the country, but it wasn't very successful. But no. No, our normal paper, my dad was instrumental in getting the New York Times into the city. Uh -huh. And in the 60s, say when Kennedy was shot, we were bringing in a hundred, 750 papers uh, on a Sunday of the, the New, New York, York Times. Times. At the store? At the store. Wow. And we did not do home delivery. So if you wanted an, uh, a paper, you had to come to one of our two locations, which the other was the book nook down on Fifth Street. And then we had the book corner. And then he did distribute at the Indiana University. So they would get like 150 papers. And then between our, and so if you wanted a Sunday paper, you had to come in and purchase your paper. Get up, put your shoes on, right. finish your coffee, and go get the paper. And go get the paper. But at that time, it was we would have the New York Times, we would have the Indianapolis Star, the Courier Journal, the Chicago Tribune, the Bloomington paper. But, uh -huh. but I remember when papers were seven cents um, a paper. We uh -huh. also would sell the racing form. Right, up and yeah. up until just a few years yeah, ago. I would say about 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah. But now you can't get a Tribune and you cannot right. get a Courier Journal. The world, it just has changed. We jumped ahead a little. Okay. Now, your dad had the distribution business and right. then he got the bright idea to open a store. Right. It was now, a, when did that come about? Well, that was my mother's idea. Ah. And so we had a location or two down by the Monon Railroad at the train depot yeah and so that was retail it's where the chase bank is across the street from uh -huh. irish lion and then my mother's i and we had a few books there i even remember that location and then she decided that we needed a bookstore so they opened a bookstore there in the 500 block of east kirkwood street across from the old Von Lee Theater. Across from, and that's a new building that's there now. Right, that the, that the building that they were in is gone. That was called the Book Nook, 
and it was not the book nook where Hoagie Carmichael um, right. had any attachments to, but my father had picked up the name. Regrettably, he's saying in in later years, because people would come in disappointed that uh, it was not the book nook. Right. But it was a bookstore, and it was Bloomington's first uh, independent bookstore. Your father actually had to fill out three-by-five cards on every book in the house, right? Oh, yes. That's how he kept track of what was there and what he sold. Right. And so my forth. mother came up with it. My mother was a very inventive person, and she did a cataloging system. And, and it really frustrated people because we didn't put things in subject. We put things by publisher because when the sales reps would come in with their list to order and they would come in what we would call the back list and the front list. Front list are new titles. Back mm. list are the back things that have been out. And they would bring inventory sheets. So if our books were according to those inventory sheets, then we could tell what we had or ah. didn't have. And then later we used a yeah, catalog, um, and that was all hand-written out. And we even typed the old dreaded carbon paper, yeah. <laughs> typing of uh, slips for the books. Yeah. And those were put in the books. And I've seen a lot of changes. with. Um, so a person would come into the store, and instead of going to the uh, psychology right. section, they'd actually walk over to the random house section. What we would do, we would get this volume of books in, and it was not just one, but there was the books in print yeah. by title, books in print by author. Big books. Big like, books. Like, and it might like be unabridged dictionary Right, size. and yeah. they were only published once a year, so if you wanted something by um, John Smith, you would pull out the author book, and you look up his titles and find out which title the customer wanted, who the publisher was, and usually there was a little number assigned to that. Sort of like if it was uh, The Old Man in the Sea, that was a Scribner book, and say it was number 64. So we could go to the shelf, and we'd have the Scribner books there, and 64 would be the number of the book. So in a sense, uh, uh, it, w it didn't really do a customer any good to come in and just browse. They would No, we didn't ask. have, yeah, but, but different publishers would have... Uh, the same type of books. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we would always have the Dover science books, or Dover yeah. did a lot of music books. But no, we kept them up according to the publisher's sheets. Yeah. And I have a first copy of the uh, paperback books in print. I think it was dated 1955, oh. and it was probably um, half an inch thick, uh, five by eight. And my dad had every book in there because there weren't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe no a couple thousand but there was like oxford and yale and different publishers and so the way he ordered the sales reps would come in and he just order one of everything yeah. and then when we sold something then the sales rep would come back we would just reorder and then he'd order the th i mean he just inventory again and order the things that we were out of so so today a bookseller wants new books right they press a button on the computer right. and order that book and it may be there tomorrow it, if you get it before the certain time of day. Right, our cutoff is 10 o'clock and we can have the book, it depends on which warehouse, but yes, yeah. you could have it, say, by noon the next day. But it, in the old days, and that, that by the way, the uh, the distributor's website is updated every second of the day. Right, right. Yeah. And, but in the old days, there was that book that came out uh, only sporadically, uh, as you say. Right, a, a bestseller, you could just about forget it, um, that you 
you know, you could pick up the phone and call the publisher and hope to get some, but yeah. always at Christmas you would be missing sales. And I always, uh, even from the 60s, I always thought that the whole key to this was this just-in-time inventory where you can have things coming in to replace what you've just sold. Right. And it's just in the last 10 years or so that I've been able to implement that because of the technology right. and the computers. And I can really see how that is really a very key element to being in business. No kidding. That's something else. Now, the, the original store that your mother came up with right. the idea for, as you say, I'm Kirkwood across from the Von Lee. Was the book uh, Now, how did it get over to the corner of the square? Well, my dad thought he was going to lose his lease. Time was coming up for a renewal, and the, the gentleman that he rented from hadn't approached him yet. This was 1964. So dad... Uh, decided he would buy the book corner bill or the it was the old monroe county state bank so he bought the building and then mr costas that was his name john costas he came back and was like oh mr spanath i'm you know why did you do that because he had no intention of not letting dad uh, have his so, lease so costas was his landlord from right. the original and mr costas actually had like a hundred year lease from indiana university they actually owned the property so we ran two stores so in 64 uh, he opened the book nook, book corner and we for 20 years we ran the book nook down the street just five blocks away which was our worst competitor i mean it was our, yeah. but it was uh, that's how we ran two stores for 20 years wasn't there a little bit of a story about the owner of the bank saying i'm going to vacate this building why don't you buy it from me yes uh, the president of the bank and i just thought of his name the other day had approached my dad and said this would be you need to buy this building apparently it had sat empty for about two years oh. And uh, Dad decided to buy the building, and the day he signed, they had another offer from Sullivan's uh, men's store there. So Dad uh, bought the building, and it has actually one, two, I think four bank vaults in it. Yeah. And then the Monroe County Bank um, built a new location or building. We still have three bank vaults in the building. And sort of like minor vaults in right. a way, huh? We put all the shoplifters in one, never <laughs> never to be seen again. <laughs> so if you're missing somebody. <laughs> Late 1964, right. the book corner opens up. Do you recall what the square was like at that time? Oh, absolutely. North of us, was there was a drugstore. There was, I think, Solly's... Um, it was a restaurant. It was a very nice restaurant, Solly's Oaken Bucket. And then there was That's a, a famous place, the Oaken Bucket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they would always hang the sign out or if we won the football game with yeah. Purdue. And there was a drugstore, then there was Williams Jewelry Store. And then there was a it was a sporting but it was a sporting good oh, then they turned the drugstore into a sporting goods store, but they had a big soda fountain ah. that they kept there until that was all torn out and then yeah. you had the Betty Jean shop that sold greeting cards and candy <laughs> and on the north side you had Wick's department store all local owners pretty, pretty much, much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then um, on the south side there was a men's and boys a very nice clothing store uh -huh. there was a piano shop I haven't thought of this for years uh, to the, where um, Gero places, what is that? Uh, Trojan Horse. Trojan Horse, there was a dress shop there. Huh. 
and there was two hardware stores, and um, and there was also in 67, Howard's Bookstore had come in, oh. and they had started as Little Professor. I haven't thought of this stuff for years. That was the name of the place? Oh, well, the Little Professor was a chain bookstore, oh. and so Howard's was opened as a Little Professor. Then they became Howard's Bookstore about a year later. I think they continued on their own. So there were a number of independent bookstores here and there, uh, even around the square itself. Oh, yes. Uh, and there was competition. There was, and Dad always uh, said competition is, is good, that you should have competition. It makes everybody better. Yeah. Um, he did a newspaper article years ago for the Bloomington paper, and I think he mentioned like 100. I couldn't believe it. I still can't. I would say close to 100 little bookstores at Bloomington. Huh. And there was a new age. There was, of course, um, yeah, I, I, even to this day, I can't imagine what they all were. Little genre-type uh, mm-hmm. places. Little bookstores. Well, now there is uh, the book corner for new books. Right. And then there is uh, Caveat Emptor for used books. Yes. They're still in existence. Howard's went out of business. Yeah, them. she wanted to retire. She's a little older than, or she's a few years older than I am, and she retired. And that's about it. So you always look forward to Christmas uh, every year. Well, I most of your new books or important books will be out by the 1st of October. Right. There will be very little announced um, between now and, and December. If you're looking for a book, the, I mean, the new things, the important books are out now. And I always say I need to be ready by October 1st with my inventory for Christmas because it's set. Now the New York Times will list their 100 most... um, Best books of the year. Right, and then we always make sure we have all those. And 50 are fiction and 50 are nonfiction. Nonfiction. And then I also look at the NPR lists. Yeah. And then you always have... So you have different things too. And then I listen to my customers in ordering. I mean, my customers are... They're readers, and they can give me a good review on books. So anything anybody has ordered, I also look to see if it's something I would like to carry. So they're listening to the radio, or they're reading the New York Times right. or the Wall Street Journal, and they're finding out what's coming up, uh, an right. interview with an author or something, to say, hey, I want to get a hold of that. Absolutely, and a lot of people will order something um, that, oh, it's on the New York Times. Even our um, local high school, Bloomington High School North, a few years ago, they would order books from us, and they would always have to research uh, the books they wanted. And one year, this is before the New York Times listed their 100 most um, books, they had probably 60 of those books were on their reading list that they had picked out independently of review. I mean, they... I'm sure did reviews. Right. I thought it was remarkable yeah. that the the they're not kids, but these students have have the um, just good quality yeah. reading habits, and it was a wonderful program that we worked with for 25, 30 years. Is there a way that you can describe a typical? bookstore customer or is that a, a, a just an unanswerable question I don't think I could describe I there we just all 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 sorts everybody it amazes it to me how many people come in and thank me for being in business and that it's a it's a place that they 
want to come back to to visit. I was here in school and I have to come back here. You know, I haven't been here for 10 years, but I have to come back to the book nook or the book corner. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm, I, I'm also surprised uh, more men tell you that. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I hear it every day, which is my mother always said we had the best customers in the world. And, <laughs> and I agree with that. I think that um, the people we deal with are just super, super, super people. Does it help that there's a, a town full of college students here? Does that make a difference? No, we just take a slice from all the people. Um, I remember a graduate student who was just graduating, um, and he was leaving town and said it was the first time in. And he was just, like, so upset that he hadn't found us, you know, four years earlier. No kidding. And it's sort of like if you live in Bloomington, you need to check out um, – Kleindorfer's hardware, you right. know, so people say, well, we love your bookstore. I said, well, make sure you look at, into, you know, yeah. other treasures here in Bloomington. Of which there are many. There yeah. are many. The ham- the Hinkle's hamburger is another one that yeah. you shouldn't live here without ever having a Hinkle's hamburger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I first met you, you were talking, you were saying, you know, I think I'm going to close this place down right. in a couple of years. Well, it's been a couple of years times four or five. Right. So what's what What are you thinking? Um, I'm just having fun, and I don't want to sit home and do nothing. Uh, I tell people that it's cheaper than a nursing home. Um, <laughs> and The bookstore is your nursing home. Am I a nursing home? It gets me up and out and of And I'm your nurse's aide. You are, you are. <laughs> <laughs> you walked with me here to make sure I didn't fall. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a lot of fun. I'm really, um, well, for so many years when I came back to work in the store 20 years ago, it was my intention to help my mother be able to close the store and be in a position to go out of business. How? So for 20 years I worked at how to go out of business. Right. I truly did with the thought of closing. How do I, I took a business course many years ago and the very first statement out of the professor's mouth was, when you start a business, you have to have a plan on how to close the business. No kidding. So I knew at some point, I didn't know, you know, things changed in my life, but that the bookstore would have to close. And how can I do that and maintain without just giving everything away? Right. So for 20 years, I looked at, really, I, how am I going to close this? What do I need to get rid of first? And it wasn't until my mother died and my brother died that I decided I was having fun. And I mean, I've always had enjoyed yeah. it, but it was I took a different perspective. And now I'm really sad that I didn't spend 20 years trying to build uh-huh. more. Now, back when your mom and dad were okay. running the store, the selection of magazines was a lot huger at one time. Absolutely. Um, and I built it up um, about 20, about 15 years ago. I bought it. But in the last four or five years, um, the magazine business has just been incredibly bad. When I was doing it seriously, I probably had about 5,000 titles, but it was like tracking 5,000 stocks. I mean, every week, every day, you're trying to decide what to add, what to drop, what to pull. And then because the uh, population in in Bloomington, because of the college, there was a transition of the summer people that were buying and the fall people, or the yearly transition, somebody that was buying this magazine 
was gone. They've graduated and moved on. So it was not a set and set population or um, customer base. So it had to be maintained really, really tightly. People would regularly come in to get Time and Newsweek. Absolutely, Reader's Digest, U.S. And TV, News and, TV, and World Report, TV Guide. Yeah, that was oh, always yeah. a, years ago. I do know that in the '60s, that we would get. I think it was between about 500 Playboys a month. Wow! And that was down at the one towards the campus. Times have changed. Now, you yourself, what do you in terms of books? What do you like to read? Well, I read a lot of history, a lot of biography, science. I read adventures like Lewis and Clark. Oh, yeah. I do not read very much um, literature. Yeah. I read um, how to do things like woodworking or instructions, reference books. Uh -huh. um, I so just, you're a nonfiction gal. Right. Yeah, and I've always been. Uh, even when I was 9 or 10, I was reading... Um, 900, well, when I was in high school, I remember reading 900 Days of uh, is it Stalingrad or Leningrad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And books on the Russian history. Yeah. So quite young. I, although one of my favorite books is um, Pearl Buck's... Um, the Good Earth? The Good Earth. Yeah. And I read that when I was um, probably 10, 12 or so. And I've reread that one a number of times. So Stuck I can't... With yeah. You. Yeah. You went to Indiana University. I did attend Indiana what University. What did you study? I was studying business uh -huh. and was very disappointed. Um, what do you mean? I was raised in business since I was five years old. And There's it, your education that right was, there. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was, I guess, what did they call it, uh, when you do the training for no... On the job, yeah. You're hired out to a company for the summer and you're an not... intern. I interned for 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> You got married, right? And your husband was a sergeant in the Joliet Police Force. So right. you lived outside Bloomington for a brief period of time, or right. maybe longer. Uh -huh. We moved away in '74. Uh, uh huh. But and for about four years, I did not work with the store. But then I worked. My sister was running the store locally when my dad retired. Uh -huh. And then my mother had it back for a while, and I was doing behind-the-scenes things. I was doing magazine ordering. I was doing bookkeeping. Um, a lot of things that I was doing, I was, at a, before it was popular, I was working at home in Joliet. So I did that for five or six years. And then mm -hmm. I came back here in 96 uh, after my husband died and helped my mother. And, it took and this is after... James, your father, right. had died, and your mother was thinking of trying to find ways to close the store. Well, not necessarily. She was doing like I was. She was having fun, Yeah. and she was in her 80s. She died when she was 92, and up till she worked up till about the last four or five years. And it was something that got her up and got her to work and got her to walk to the bank and meet people so it's a socialization and I'm sort of using it for the same reasons. My guest this week has been Margaret Taylor, the proprietor of uh, a Bloomington institution, The Book Corner. Margaret, thanks for being with us. Alrighty, I enjoyed this tremendously and love right. everybody out there, love all our customers. <laughs>